Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, yo, yo! Yo! What is going on? My name's Hartzell, and this right here, it's your KC Mobile. I think I went through like three different keys in the span of half a second. Amazing. Mariah Carey wishes she could do that. What's the word, Kansas City? A happy Tuesday to the KC Morning Hoes. Tuesdays on this program, you know what we do? We take back America. You, me, Professor Harvey J.K., the Professor Emeritus of the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, who's got a book being reissued very soon, by the way. Yeah, The British Marxist Historians by Harvey J.K. Check your local listings. So on the show today, as Professor K is out promoting, we're going to play back one of his commencement speeches from December of 2015. This is one of my all-time favorites from Professor K. Because what y'all may not know about our relationship, I was just a bit of a fanboy. He was like one of my favorite socialist professors. And, you know, I was like the wannabe cool socialist guy in college. And so I got that check mark on the Twitters. And I was like, you know what? This really gives me access to slide into so many new DMs. A whole new world, y'all. I'm telling you. I mean, The Rock has liked one of my tweets. I, I fainted. I actually fainted. So I have been a stan of Professor K for the longest, and this is actually one of my favorite things he's done. So this was the commencement from December of 2015 from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. In fact, it was so good that it was included in the anthology for Vital Speeches of the Day, like a major publication that was back in 2016. So I am so excited for you to hear this, my friends. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do. Kansas City, solidarity, yeah? Give us a solidarity subscribe. I love you, Kansas City. It is a good day to be a Kansas City and we're up for a pitch award. I'm sure you're tired of me plugging that, so I'll just insert the link in the show notes to pitchkc.com. A good day to be a Kansas City and always oh, it's because of you, Kansas City. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Citians must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. Greetings to our distinguished guests. Thank you to Chancellor Miller for inviting me to deliver this commencement address. I am thrilled and honored to accept the commission. In fact, I, I just want to say that you may wonder why I do not have a cap. I bought a cap many years ago when I had a full head of hair. And one would have thought it would continue to fit. My head is swelling so much. For this opportunity, 
I couldn't get it on this morning. But most importantly, congratulations to all of you receiving degrees today. Whether you took four years or 40 years, we and your families are extremely proud of you. And not only that, we have great expectations both of you and for you. In fact, as you'll soon gather, I have particularly grand expectations of you. Now, traditionally, commencement speakers call on graduates to embrace the future, but I'm gonna call on you to do something else. I'm gonna urge you to embrace the past. I want you to remember who you are. I want you to remember who we are. With all due respect to the international students among us, we are Americans. And I want you to appreciate what that demands of you, of all of us, in the face of the daunting crises that confront us. Bluntly put, it is time for you to make history as our greatest generations have made history. Echoing what President Franklin Roosevelt told my parents' generation in 1936, I firmly believe that this generation, your generation, has a rendezvous with destiny. True, we do not suffer a Great Depression. True, we do not confront foreign enemies as powerful as Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. And yet, we face crises no less challenging. Think about it. For the past 40 years, we have subordinated the public good to corporate priorities and private greed. And we have seen our industries decline, our infrastructures collapse, and our environment go haywire. For the past 40 years, we have subjected ourselves to ever-widening inequalities and intensifying insecurities. And we have watched the middle class erode, politics and public life decay, and democracy surrender to plutocracy. For the past 40 years, we have denied our own democratic impulses and yearnings, and we have witnessed direct, devastating, and too often deadly assaults on the rights of workers, women, and people of color. But perhaps worst of all, we seem to have forgotten who we are, and it has made us fearful, as if we were deer caught in headlights, the headlights of history. Well, enough of that. It is time we started remembering. But we need to do more than remember. We also need to act. We need to act both courageously and determinedly. It is time for you to act as generations of Americans did in the 1770s, the 1860s, and the 1930s and 1940s, not to mention the 1960s. What did those generations do? They rejected fear. They gave real historical meaning, indeed historic and transcendent meaning, to our finest ideals and aspirations. To Thomas Paine's argument in his revolutionary pamphlet, Common Sense, that we have it in our power to begin the world over again. To Thomas Jefferson's phrases in the Declaration that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To the Founders' words in the preamble to the US Constitution, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union. To Abraham Lincoln's lines at Gettysburg in 1863, proclaiming a new birth of freedom and insisting upon a government of the people, by the people, for the people. To Franklin Roosevelt's call in 1941 to create a nation and a world marked by four fundamental freedoms. Freedom of speech and expression, freedom of worship, freedom from want, freedom from fear. 
and to Martin Luther King Jr.'s pronouncement on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, I have a dream. Yes, they were terribly flawed generations. Nonetheless, for all of their faults and failings, for all of the tragedy and irony that marked their lives, for all of the exploitation and oppression that they failed to bring to an end, each of those generations, in all of their marvelous American diversity, found it in themselves to rise up, to deal head on with the daunting challenges they faced, and to make the United States stronger and richer than ever before. But that's just the half of it. The most amazing thing about those generations, the thing that made each of them great, the thing that has made America truly exceptional, the thing which we sadly have forgotten or which we have been led to forget, is that they actually succeeded in doing all of that, not by giving up or suspending their finest ideals and aspirations, but by harnessing the powers of democratic government and making America freer, more equal, and more democratic than ever before. In the 1770s, Americans, both native-born and immigrant, not only fought a war for independence, they also rejected kings and aristocrats and created an historically unprecedented democratic republic. In the 1860s, farmers, workers, and the slaves themselves not only defeated the traitorous Southern Confederacy and sustained the Union, they also redeemed the Declaration's promise by bringing an end to black bondage. In the 1930s, in the shadows of the worst economic and social catastrophe in U.S. history, working men and women mobilized. They not only mobilized to reform government, provide relief, pursue economic recovery, transform the American landscape, and rebuild the nation's public infrastructure, but also to fight. They mobilized in labor unions, housewives campaigns, and civil rights organizations. They mobilized to fight for their rights against the economic royalists, reactionary politicians, and white supremacists who sought to deny them their rights. And then in the 1940s, they not only went all out to beat fascism by turning the United States into the arsenal of democracy, by creating a military force of 16 million men and women, one of every eight Americans, and by shipping overseas to fight for the four freedoms, they also continued to fight for those freedoms here at home in the United States. Moreover, they would not only go on to sustain a cold war against the Soviet Union, make the United States the most powerful and prosperous nation in human history, and create the American middle class, but also, when challenged by their own children to live up to the promise for which they had fought, they set themselves to trying to do so. In the course of the 1960s, they enacted the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Acts. They reformed the nation's immigration laws to once again make America an asylum for mankind. They expanded Social Security to include Medicare for the elderly and Medicaid for the poor. They empowered public employees to organize and bargain collectively. They passed laws to make the environment, the marketplace, and the workplace safer for all of us. And they vastly expanded educational and cultural opportunities for all Americans, which included creating this university, the University of Wisconsin Green Bay 50 years ago. <laughs> to 
Take a moment. Consider how we have tragically failed to sustain their hard-fought-for legacy of both prosperity and political, social, and industrial democracy. Whether you are a liberal or a conservative, you surely can see that the time has come, that the time has come to act as the greatest Americans of the past have acted in the face of mortal crises, that the time has come to harness the powers of government and dramatically, indeed radically, enhance American democratic life. As our greatest democratic poet, Walt Whitman, said, there must be continual additions to our great experiment of how much liberty society will bear. Or even more to the point, as the progressive journalist Henry Demarest Lloyd wrote in 1900, the price of liberty is something more than eternal vigilance. There must also be eternal advance. We can save the rights we have inherited from our fathers only by winning new ones to bequeath our children. And I'm going to repeat that. The price of liberty is something more than eternal vigilance. There must also be eternal advance. We can save the rights we have inherited from our fathers only by winning new ones to bequeath our children. So not just for your sake, graduates, but for the sake of all of us, I urge you to embrace the past. The past you may not readily recall, but it's a past which I know you carry in your deepest memory and imagination. Embrace America's past. Remember who you are. Make America freer, more equal, more democratic. Thank you.
Cage Fire. You're listening to the KC Morning Show.